again, here we are with our third podcast of The Dog Disruption. Once again, I'm your host, Brett Titus, and in studio with me is my lovely wife, Leslie, and the brains of the operation, Adam Contos. Hey, what's going on, man? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, real fortunate to give a shout out to some of our good friends out at EliteCanine.com. I know you've uh, been to their site and the best dog equipment available is through those guys and they are a big supporter of us. So just want to give them a shout out and say uh, thanks for the support. Yeah, they've got some pretty nice equipment. You use a lot of that, don't you? I do. I do. That's where we get all of our leashes. I mean, you you name it. That's where we get it from. Those yeah, guys really take care of us. When your life depends on it, <laughs> right? you got to go somewhere good, right? That's right. You can't, uh, can't uh, go cheap when it comes to life and death and the equipment that you need when you're out there on the street. So works for us in the police world and and even in the pet world of course you want the best equipment you can get and that's what those guys provide right on leslie passing it over to you good morning well, it is morning isn't it <laughs> it I is know. it is let's start right off uh in episode two we talked about uh, a lot of foundational stuff mm-hmm. about um a thousand times makes you an expert. That's if right. you could just kind of recap that a little bit for our listeners. Yeah. So a thousand times in anything you think about, um, anything athletic or, uh, anything, um, that you do in life. Once you've done something a thousand times, you're pretty darn good at it. So that's where we get the principles for that foundational obedience is the more things that you can uh, do with that dog, the more repetition uh, that you can do, the better off they are, the better they get. And probably the most important out of the six commands is going to be the down. The down is the position that is the, the if I were to look back and um, take my training records, for example, for my police dogs, down would be the one that I probably do the most. So over the years of training a police dog, uh, for example, my dog today, this, I'm on my third dog and he's, oh gosh, he's going to turn nine in May. Wow. That went quick. He looks like an old dude. <laughs> him or me? Uh, him. Okay. Yeah. And this is uh, um, eight years of training with him. I got him at uh, about 11, 12 months old and he's probably had 10,000 downs. So when I say the word down, he drops like a rock. So that's where that compound effect comes in. He's done it so many times. And when I really need him to down, it's there. And that's what's important with the pet world as well. That, you know, if your dog goes to chase a, a squirrel or, or, or a rabbit and running towards the street or kids out playing and you don't want the dog to be uh, obnoxious, that good solid down. So that's, that's what we're looking for by that thousand times makes an expert. I have a lot of people ask me, that's probably one of the biggest things they ask me, or they say, or the biggest concern, I can't get my dog to come back. Well, let's work on that. But if you have a solid down where you can stop the dog from running into the street, that would be optimal for safety for everyone. Right. (laughs) You're not going to the vet. Um, As you're talking, it makes me think of one of your deployments with this. Um, If you could... Tell our listeners about the fugitive and the kid on the skateboard. I think that really kind of brings it home for everybody. We were uh, on an operation uh, that's part of my job. So my job with the unit is uh, we go out and we find and apprehend bad guys. The worst of the worst guys is what our, our, our SWAT team is tasked with doing. And one of the best tools to do that, of course, is a dog. Uh, I don't care who you are, how fast you are, even the best of the best Olympians or NFL running backs, 
they still don't run as fast as a dog. So to have that dog there is just an incredible asset to us for, for safety and, and getting these, these bad people off the streets. So we were on an operation and uh, it was a, a fugitive, a wanted guy. We knew he was on a bus and they put me in the back of one of our uh, unmarked SWAT vehicles. And it's myself, this, and a couple of SWAT guys. And we're waiting for the bad guy to get off the bus and we're going to do this big takedown. And, and, I don't recall exactly what he's wanted for, but if they send us after him, probably something pretty dangerous. So we're going to take this guy down hard and fast so he doesn't hurt anybody. So he gets off the, uh, we're, we're waiting there and it seems like forever on some of these deals. And finally he gets and off really, the bus. I'm sorry, but tell everybody what you guys do when you wait. Tell them the behind the scenes so they can really get a feel of how you prepare. Well, I'm usually sleeping. But, uh, no. <laughs> and what is this doing? Um, he, he, he's usually kissing me because <laughs> in the backseat of the car, he's right on top of me. He loves to be there. So that's, um, it, it, it's really a cool thing to do to sit in the back of that car knowing that life and death is, is about to happen or, or possibly happen. And you're sitting there with the guys and that's where the camaraderie between myself and the dog and the guys. and we're just waiting. We're waiting to do our job. And I'd be a liar to sit here and tell you if you're, you're not nervous. Um, the nerves tend to taper down after you're sitting there for an hour or so. But you have to be ready and, and, and you have to be prepared to get out and do your job. So we sit and we have some pretty deep moments and heart to hearts and especially with the dog trying to, trying to kiss me the whole time. Um, so we're waiting. And bad guy gets uh, off the bus. And as he gets off the bus, we see him and the, the detectives are there to tell us, yep, that's him in the, the blue sweatshirt. He gets off the bus. We roll right up next to him. He comes walking right by the car. I kick open the door and I order him to get on the ground and he takes off running. So this, of course, is sitting on my lap. He jumps out the door after the bad guy and just as luck would have it, here comes a kid on a skateboard right in front. He is now the skateboarder is right between bad guy and my dog. And I give him a down because this, the first thing that's coming towards him, a lot of times these dogs will take, take the first thing they can get. And here comes this innocent kid on a skateboard and I give him a down command and he dropped like a rock because at that time he's had 10,000 downs. He knows what that means. And he drops on a dime. It was Really impressive to see him lay down as he did, and the skateboarder freaked out, popped up his skateboard turn, and ran the other way, running as the bad guy is now running off into a field. And the dog stayed at the down the whole time. So that was a, a, another enlightening moment for me that, man, I'm sure glad I had my not just a thousand downs, but 10,000 downs because you don't want to see anybody else get hurt. Um, and you want to make sure that, that uh, you can, once you send that dog, you have to have the capability to, to stop him and bring him back. And bad guy ended up uh, running into a field and, and one of my teammates with another dog, uh, he eventually ended up getting him. So it was a, it was a good day. But yeah, one heck of a, a lesson. And yeah, to be totally honest with you, my heart stopped. I thought, oh boy, I sure hope that hundred or that thousand times pays off right now. And it did. Well, here's all that distraction. And the part that you left out at the end there is when the uh, other handler sends his dog, your dog was still on that same down. That's right. Yes. He Which is very difficult for crazy. a dog to watch another dog engage a suspect. I don't know if they're just jealous or like, hey, that was mine. But, uh, <laughs> nonetheless, yeah, that was a lot of distraction. 
uh, thank goodness I have a good solid down and, and, and it, that came uh, from a lot of the uh, Schutzen work, the sport work that I've done, the same principles. Uh, what I learned from the sport work and versus police work is really enhanced uh, exactly what we're doing here today is really enhance the knowledge base that we have of training dogs. Whether it's, once again, pets or a police dog, the principles are the same. And that's that thousand times. So here we're talking about this phenomenal control that you have with this. And I would easily say that you had that with Stinger as well. Now, Oscar, um, he was a lot to handle. <laughs> so Oscar being your first dog, uh, if you could talk a little bit about that parallel between that he was a lot of dog and maybe some of the challenges that you had compared to your uh, Schutzen dog, Nero, at the time. Sure. And you were at some of the highest levels um, in Schutzen competition with Nero, doing everything without him being on lead. And then, and then you have Oscar, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is really cool because I actually talked you into writing this book, The Oscar Dog, which tells a lot of your stories, which is super cool. Uh, but if you could just definitely touch on that as far as some of the parallels between where you started and what was really the light bulb for you. Right. Yeah, that, that's it. You're absolutely right. So at the same time, I'm working uh, Schutzen dog. Nero was a Dutch Shepherd and Oscar was uh, uh, technically a Belgian Malinois. But uh, when you see the cover of the book, as you can see there, he, he we're not quite sure what he was, but he he was an amazing, amazing dog. First dog, I was young, he was young. Neither one of us really had a good grasp on what the heck we're supposed to be doing out here in police work. And again, at the same time, Nero, uh, we had won the Schutzen Two Nationals in Wisconsin, went on to take third place in the Schutzen uh, Three Nationals in Boston, which qualified me to go to Germany to compete. So Nero was just an amazing dog, and he was so amazing because he had so much control. But I thought, well, that's because he's a sport dog. He's not a police dog. Oscar, on the other hand, was a police dog. And back then, it was um, just kind of the, the way we did things was a police dog has to be free, and you don't want to put too much control. And that's what they used to tell us, too much control. Now, today, I equate that to too much control in your dog is like saying, I have too much money in my pocket. <laughs> right. What? What? No, I think I'll, I'll just get bigger pockets, right? Right, right? And so that's what I learned from Nero. And you're right. I would get Oscar out of the car and he would find bad guys like no one's business. And he, uh, without a doubt, has saved my life and probably other officers' lives. And he's found a lot of bad guys. But I never had that confidence in him like I did with Nero. So Oscar was continuously on lead. And Nero, I don't even think I had a leash. So it was really quite a bit of a difference. And that's because with Nero, I was doing more control and thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of obedience where Oscar, we were just out there kicking him loose to go find bad guys. There was uh, one operation I'll never forget. And this is where I said to myself, uh, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. There was a suspect in a house that uh, had actually shot at officers and the SWAT team, we were way down on the other side of town on a barricade. This call comes out and they said, well, we need SWAT up here as well. So we ended up dividing the team a little bit. 
myself and two of the SWAT operators go up to, to uh, get this guy, the shooter, out of a house. So pretty dangerous stuff. And I'm there with Oscar. And once again, I just didn't have the confidence that I did with Nero when it came to control. So the way our practices were back then was I would use a 30-foot 30, uh, 30 nylon long line to send the dog in. That way I had guaranteed, if you will, uh, control over the dog. So as we enter the home, uh, myself and there was uh, two SWAT officers, which hindsight now, we probably could have used a few more guys, but they were busy. So that's just the way we did things back then. And I send the dog in and he's searching the living room and I'll be darned if he doesn't take that long line and wrap it around. I'll never forget one of those uh, glass and brass coffee tables, you know, from like the, <laughs> the late 90s-ish. Yeah, a little bit outdated. And he gets wrapped up and he kind of fights his way through it, but he knocks this table over, wraps the leash up around the table, glass everywhere. And this is in the middle of a real operation. And I'm looking at the guys going, uh, timeout? <laughs> well, there is no timeout. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> so I tell the guys, hey, I got to kind of break cover and I'm going to risk my butt and our butts here because I got to go get my dog off, uh, off of this coffee table that the line is wrapped around. That's, that was the defining moment for me. And I said, look, we can't do this anymore. And the SWAT guys came to me as well. And they said, man, an amazing tool. But if it becomes a hindrance, now it's not such an amazing tool. And we would rather just search it ourselves. And that was, that's when I said, okay, why is it Nero doesn't need a leash? And why is it I can't take Oscar off a leash? So that was that moment that I said, okay, I'm going to start changing my principles in a police dog. And we are going to have phenomenal control. So good obedience, once again, leads to great control, great control of your dog, whether it's a police dog or whether it's your pet at home, it makes for us in the police world, it makes us safer. And if we're safer, then we're happier. Now think about that at home with your pet. If you have an amazingly uh, controlled dog and great obedience, then you're going to be happier. Uh, there's not that uh, breakdown in the, the the bond or you're not always upset at your dog because they're constantly running away or jumping up on people. So those are the things that um, over the years and through experience, I've told myself, I will always, every dog in our house will have uh, great control. Right. I think it's important to remember that great control doesn't mean that you have a four-legged robot. They actually are still a dog. Right. And they will act like a dog unless you tell them not to. And that's hey, right. pay attention to me. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference. And I think that's the big gap that I think is getting better nowadays, mm -hmm. where guys are realizing, oh, yeah, okay, maybe somebody was right. You you can have a lot of obedience in this dog yes. and they can still work independently from me and still do what they're supposed to do without shutting them down. That's right. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of the way that we teach uh, training is reward based. Mm -hmm. If it's reward based, then you're all, your dog is always happy. They're going to want to go work with you because of we talked about voice tones and make them happy and pleasant and tons of reward. Uh, we're going to reward with food. We're going to reward with praise uh, via that pack drive. And we're going to satiate those drives to where the dog wants to work for you. And that's the key. Uh, I can see, again, the old school principles of um, too much control in the dog. Yes, if you're constantly beating up your dog and you're not giving them enough reward, they're going to say, well, why, 
Why would I want to do this? Why would I want to learn that? So once you switch that over and understand, let's make it fun. And that's really back to the police dogs. Um, that's all they're doing is having fun. When we're, when we're hunting for bad guys, it's a game. It's a big game of hide and seek. They don't realize how dangerous it is. They're just out there Thank having God. a good old time. Yeah. Don't tell them. Don't, <laughs> don't anybody tell them. Keep that a secret. But that's where um, it, it's amazing to see them work. Tails always wagging. They love to work because they're happy. And that's what you want to see your dog doing at home. So you're out there training and you, you, you do it in very short increments. You do it very upbeat, very reward based, and they're going to want to do more. And the more they want to do before you know it, you've hit that thousand times. Right. And before you know it, a couple of years into it, you're at 5,000 times. And that's when your friends and family get jealous. Don't you love that? They're like, <laughs> I wish my dog would do that. And it's Can like, you do well, that for my dog? <laughs> yeah. Get them off the couch and that may, that, that, that may be your problem. So that's the basis for the thousand times makes an expert. Whether you're a police dog handler or a pet, get that thousand reps in, get it right away, and you'll end up with a very happy and, and great relationship for many years to come. Thanks for tuning in to Dog Disruption, your source for better dog training, obedience, systems, techniques, equipment, and stories. Hosted by Brett and Leslie Titus, SWAT and police canine handlers. Be sure to subscribe to the Dog Disruption Podcast wherever you get your podcast, and of course, leave a review. Also, don't forget to follow Dog Disruption on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find us at dogdisruption.com. And as always, be a good dog.